This episode of the Bloody Vegans podcast is brought to you by Veg One and the good folks are over at the Vegan Society. Veg One is the multivitamin and mineral supplement designed by vegans for vegans. It was introduced back in 2005, updated in 2021 with an incredible new plastic-free package and contains all of those key vitamins and minerals that everyone will tell you when you transition into a plant-based diet into a vegan lifestyle that you need to think about, and you absolutely do. Uh, so, what's in there? You've got uh, B2, B6, B12, D3, iodine, selenium and folic acid. So all of those kind of key ones you need to consider when you're starting out or perhaps you've been here for some time. Uh, and it's all in a convenient once a day chewable form, uh, which, is, which is super helpful, right? It's just £12.70 for six months worth. Um, and they come in two amazing flavors. You've got orange and you've also got blackcurrant. Orange is a personal favorite of mine. Uh, I'm definitely team orange when it comes to Veg One. Uh, so if you'd like to know more and you're interested in picking up your six month supply, head over to theveganSociety.com, uh, search for Veg One, uh, and you can pick up some right there, delivered straight to your door. Enjoy the episode. Hello, my name is Jim. This is my podcast, The Bloody Vegans. You're very welcome to it. Each week, I'll be traveling ever deeper into the world of veganism, discovering along the way a multitude of viewpoints from the political and ethical to the practical. I'll be doing this through a series of conversations, each aiming to further illuminate my understanding and hopefully yours of all things plant-centric. And this week is no different. This week I was joined by the founder of Kakadu Creative, the full-service sustainable design agency, uh, that's Kaylee Nicolau. Um, Kakadu is in fact CO2 negative and 100% vegan. Uh, they're a, a design agency, they work in marketing and so on. And the founders, Kaylee and uh, Lee, have an incredible story of working for big corporate businesses and essentially turning around to one another and saying, you know, we do, do we really want to be encouraging people to uh, ultimately buy more things that they don't need for a big business that has tons of, tons of money already and is, is doing pretty well? Um, and actually, who do we want to help? And so they turn to smaller, ethical, vegan, uh, often vegan businesses, and then had a bit of a, a debate over whether they wore their own ethics on their on their sleeve, if you like, front and center at the front of their business, and and decided to do that too. Uh, it felt right to them. Kaylee's story is incredible. You know, she talks obviously about her personal her personal journey into the world of veganism, but then the, the journey of the business, and and gives us some awesome insights into the world of marketing and design, and and even how you know things like that we that we think are pretty innocuous magazines, print services, etc., uh, can actually not be vegan at all. Um, so we'll get into all of that, but I won't steal any of Kaylee's thunder. So without further ado, here's a conversation between me and Kaylee Nicolau, the co-founder of Kakadu Creative. journey if I'm on well it's been a few years um but it started from a health perspective so several years ago my mum was diagnosed with with breast cancer and um she was adopted so we don't know the family history um mm. and so at the time when when obviously she was diagnosed we spoke to the consultant and said what's the situation with getting myself and my sister tested to see if we had the the gene that means mm. that we're predisposed to a risk of a higher risk of breast cancer. Um, and weirdly, they basically said that um, 
because we didn't know if there was a history in the family, they wouldn't do the test. And hmm. and so I kind of thought, well, surely if you if we don't know, it's more reason to do the test. <laughs> um, so for what for they basically that seems said, logical. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, they said no. And interestingly, I found out um, quite recently actually that the reason the only reason they do the test is or is for research purposes. So they like to do the test to just see whether their theory is right. Um, and if there's mm. no historical record to back up the findings, they can't say, oh, yes, this gene is related to breast cancer because we can see in the back of that family another three or four cases. So so that's essentially where we were left with it. It was, OK, we don't know if we're, if we're more at risk. We can't get the test. Um, so I sort of sat back and said, well, OK, well, how do I minimise my risk? How, what can I do generally that, that will mean that I'm at a lower risk of, of, of getting cancer? And um, so off I went, Googling and looking into things. And it was around the same time that the uh, research had come out saying that red meat and processed meat were mm. a, a, a carcinogenic. It was proven that, that they caused cancer. And it was something that had just never really occurred to me that... It sounds crazy to say it now, but the food I was eating, the things I was putting into my body could cause this kind of disease. Yeah. Um, and so I sort of sat back and said, okay, well, I'm going to cut back. I'm going to, you know, cut that out and I'm, I'm going to reduce my, my meat intake. But once you start on that journey and you start researching things like this, you very quickly discover more that you aren't aware of um and so I came home one day and I said to Lee I want to go vegetarian I want to try being vegetarian and I expected very much expected to get the male reaction of I'm not giving up my steak (laughs) I'm not you know that that, that societal concept of men eat meat and um and he just said yeah okay let's give it a go so it's like wow right brilliant <laughs> and then and so we sat there that first week and we sort of said okay well what you know what do we eat what because I'd always said for a long time I couldn't be vegetarian because I didn't like vegetables and and <laughs> <laughs> and looking back now it was just crazy to think I used to say that um so yeah so we we, we sort of started on the vegetarian journey and then I started to understand more around the environmental impact of animal agriculture and obviously the animal rights impact or the animal exploitation that comes with animal agriculture and and the meat and dairy industry. And then I'd always said I was an animal lover. It was always something that I said I was. And and yes, I did love animals, but I was so disconnected to the impact my daily choices were having on the animals that I said I loved. Um, And so it was a case of slowly understanding how to transition to veganism and making that switch and, and making daily changes in our life to, to change our diet. It was predominantly around our, our diet that we were focused on. Um, but it was really interesting because my stepdad and my mum are both vegan. And I always remember my stepdad saying to me, because I was very, very passionate about the environment and I, was, I got involved with environmental activism. And I remember him saying to me, you can't care about the environment if you eat meat and dairy. And at the time, I didn't really, I thought he was being a bit, um, what's the word? I think I thought he was being a bit extreme. Let's, let's, put, let's use that yeah. word. I thought he was being extreme. 
And he was totally right. He was totally right. The more I looked into it and discovered the impact that animal agriculture has in regards to land use, water use, pollution, greenhouse gas emissions, it was just so blatantly obvious that that I had to, if I really cared, I had to take those steps to, um, to live a vegan life. And so what started out as a health decision is now very much environmental and animal rights. Um, and the health thing has kind of gone out of the window, <laughs> especially <laughs> especially <laughs> when you've got, you know, the new vegan Ben and Jerry's and you've got VFC and you've got One Planet Pizza and you've got all of this cool junk, vegan junk food. So the health element has kind of fallen by the wayside, but the... The ethics of veganism are what have, have, have what have stayed stayed um, of what have kept us going basically of, of, of what we hold on to. Um, yeah, so now me, Lee, me and Lee are both vegan. Our dogs vegan. Um, it's the whole the whole yeah the whole group the whole gang are all vegan now. Oh, fantastic news! Congratulations. What what year was that roughly? Um, so vegetarian switching to vegetarianism was. Probably about eight, nine years ago. And then veganism, fully vegan, was probably about three, four years ago now. But I don't have, a, like, a specific date. Yeah. Um, it's more gradual. It, yeah, but it was really interesting because I was talking to someone about this before because they, they don't have a date of, of going vegan. Um, and they also were a smoker. And a, a long time ago, mm. I was a smoker. And we were talking about habits and breaking habits and, and whether you had, a, like, an anniversary date. And she said that actually it's quite good if you don't have a date because if you have a date, you always have this marker of that's the time that I, for want of a better terminology, that's the time that I gave up something. That's the time that mm. I quit that part of my life. That's the time that I gave up something that I enjoyed. And actually, if you don't have a date, there's never that marker of, oh, that's the day that I stopped mm. smoking that's the day that I gave up alcohol. That's, you know, there's there's all of that kind of thing. Um, and so she said, it, it just then becomes a part of your life. It's just, I'm vegan. I don't smoke. I don't drink. There's all of these things. That it just, it's not, it's not a date that you mark on a calendar. It's just then part yeah. of your life, which I thought was a really interesting way to, to look is. at it. It is, yeah. As, as the journey was quite was quite gradual, you mentioned that point about, stopping points and abstinence and so on mm. did it feel like abstinence or did did actually that gradual process was it actually quite favorable in terms of getting comfortable with it and used to the idea of being vegan at no point did it ever really feel like abstinence it, it just didn't and um, which is a really weird thing to say because prior to going vegetarian and vegan I always looked at it as I was giving something up I'd be giving mm. something up. My life would be restricted. I wouldn't have all of these options. I wouldn't have as fulfilled a life if I didn't if I didn't have the option to eat meat and dairy. And actually, it's completely opened up a whole new world. There are so many more options, so many more opportunities, and it's broadened our horizon. So, I think probably the biggest thing that that made it a slow process was sort of friends and family going to going to um going out for meals going to parties it was just that more societal pressure or the societal 
limitations that that made it a slower process because it it did some sometimes it felt like a chore because you'd go to a restaurant and everyone would want to go for example to I don't know a steak restaurant and you'd sat there looking at the menu thinking well I can I've got to eat chips and soup type thing and and so it I don't get me wrong I would never sit there and eat that steak but you'd sort of sometimes sit there and think just I just okay I'm gonna have that bit of cake because I'm starving and I'm with all these people and all the rest of it and there's no other alternative um Mm. but then and I think that's why it was a slow process because at the time it was about health and it wasn't about ethics but as the ethics started to come through and my understanding of the impact on the environment and animal rights and animal exploitation sitting there in that restaurant or sitting there at that friend's house and having that option of do I eat just the chips or do I eat the cream cake I'd look and go well I'm having the chips but to be fair Mm. I prefer chips but (laughs) but it was it was sort of a case of it wasn't about a personal decision. I wasn't that making that making that decision based on my health. I was making that decision based on the impact that decision would have on the animal that would have had to have given their life or been exploited for my choice. And once mm. it became more about the ethics of it, it was so much easier to just transition and say, that's it. I've, I'm All of that stuff that I've been kind of compromising on, I'm not compromising on that anymore. Um and we've, we've, Lee and I have always said as well that since going vegan, we have such better experiences when we eat out and just even when we eat at home. Right. Because we look at the alternative options. We, we don't just go straight for that option that we'd have always gone for, the, the steak, the chicken burger, whatever it was. You know, when, yeah. you, when you're, I feel like when we were in the meat-eating stage of, of our lives, you kind of always chose the same option off the menu but actually when you you say I'm not having that option you then open your horizons to everything else that's there um and I always remember that it was a Christmas dinner we went out with Lee's family they're they're all meat eaters unfortunately we've not we've not managed to convert many of them to veganism yet we're working (laughs) on it um but um we went out for dinner with them all and they all had the traditional Christmas dinner and we had this tomato gnocchi dish. It was, the, it was mm. the, the vegan option. And we sat there and Lee and I had this, it was just the most delicious meal. It was so nice. And everyone else on the table complained about their food. <laughs> everyone did. And we, Lee and I just sat there and looked at each other and thought, the vegan option's the best one. We're winning. We're winning. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's never, it only ever felt like a compromise and restrictive at, at the beginning. But once we've gone through that process yeah. and, and got comfortable with it and understood it more, it, it feels like um, it feels like it's opened more opportunities and it feels like it's actually made our lives better and more, more enriched and more exciting than it would have done if we hadn't have made this transition. Yeah, absolutely. Completely concur with that. Thinking about the, um, the thing that you mentioned just a moment ago about there being more options now, things getting easier, that so on and so forth. Um, the vegan junk food kind of taking over the, the health mission that you were originally on and all that kind of stuff, and I absolutely can relate to that. Do you think that there's a almost a danger, if you like, that it, um, that the, the, the rise of kind of the vegan junk food 
means that people will fall into a similar kind of lull to the one that they were in before, <laughs> you know, insofar as, you know, I, I just and forgive me for it might be a silly reflection, but just thinking about it, as, as you said it, I was like, I'm kind of in that space now sometimes. I go to a certain restaurants and I'll pick the the burger, <laughs> you know, the, the vegan burger will be the stock option because it's now there and it wasn't there before. And whereas before, like I remember initially, it was four and a half years ago for me, I remember going into a local, it's a, 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 it's a chain of restaurants, but relatively small one. And the only option was like a lentil dal. And, and I would never have picked it before, never. I might have made it at home, but I would have never have picked it. And it was amazing. It was lovely. And then it became my go-to until that same restaurant then added a Moving Mountains burger to their menu. Um, do you think there's a there's a sort of almost a any kind of element of risk to that and the the, the the route that we're driving down that we lose a bit of the diversity in what we were what we were getting? Yes, yes, in a in a word. Um it is something that I've I've talked about with several people in regards to the fact that obviously one of the big benefits of a vegan diet for a long time was the fact that it was so healthy and it did reduce your risks of certain diseases and you you, you lowered your cholesterol or you were at lower risk of diabetes and all of that kind of stuff and the more of these vegan junk food options we have yes the more that benefit of a vegan diet will be eroded um, so I think there is a potential risk of that but at the same time I also look at it from a different perspective and think there are a lot of people out there who are curious about the vegan lifestyle and the and a vegan diet um, and who are very wed to the burger for example and if they've got that option to try something plant-based that um, is is a burger, then it's a great stepping stone. So I think from, from a perspective of enabling people to transition, I think it's really valuable and I think it's really important. And I think it starts to overcome the objection that we've always had in regards to it being restrictive. I don't want to be vegan because I can't have a burger. I don't want to be yeah. vegan because I can't go out to a restaurant and I can't have a, a nice meal. I have to have the salad, for example. You know, it, it overcomes all of those objections and it starts to put us in a position where they, you can't argue against having a vegan meal because you've got so much, so many options there. Um, but I think we do have to make sure that we 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 eat these things in moderation you know like everything you can't have a processed burger every night it's it's not going to be good for you um but I think as you move more into the vegan lifestyle and more into the vegan diet the sort of you start um coming more into the vegan diet um people start experimenting with more food they start experimenting with more ingredients and actually then the whole food element does start to come into their diet as well. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm yeah. not a dietitian. I'm not, I'm, it's not my area <laughs> of expertise. But from a personal perspective, we eat so much healthier now than we ever did before, even being vegetarian. Um, so we eat so much healthier now, but it is really nice to have the option of maybe on a Friday night, just say, let's just have some vegan junk food. It, it, you, you get the balance um, which I think is is really important, especially to help people transition. And the more we can, the more people we can get to transition, the better it is for for everything. So, yeah, definitely. 
I'd like to sort of pick your brains from a, a marketing perspective. I, mean, I want to get right into the to the business and so on and talk about that a bit more squarely in a second. But just whilst it's on my mind, there's a, there's a question relating that's just popped in, which is about um, obviously Veganuary we're in now. And a, and a lot of folks I speak to love the choice that's out there, love the products that often pop up as we know in the sort of community, they pop up for a month and then we we sort of then mourn them in yeah. February when they sort of suddenly disappear. But one of the things that a couple of people have pointed out, and I've certainly noticed myself, is a is that there's still a, a tax on those products. There's still an additional cost. I was looking at a, an example. There was a a a, a British uh, a British name in the in the retail industry that sells clothes and and food uh, on the high street. And um, they have a, a, a sandwich range, for example, and they've got a version of an egg and cress sandwich and a vegan version of, of an egg and cress sandwich. And there's the, the vegan version is like 20 pence higher than the other version. And then I looked at a couple more and they were all similarly like 20, 30 pence higher than the other one. And uh, I, so I sort of see it as like a, you know, or, or maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I, I sort of feel there's like a double-edged issue. Is that well, there's one there's the kind of the potential for the the products that are offered as part of veganuary are often in the kind of junk food realm, which is kind of good from the choice element, but they're also expensive. And I worry about folks who come into it and think this is veganism. This is what it is. I'll go to the vegan aisle. And, you know, when I go shopping, I'll go to the vegan aisle and that's where all their food is, as opposed to going to, you know, the dried goods aisle and picking up some lentils, as opposed to going to the fruit and veg aisles and, and picking up some fresh produce. So I'd love to get your sort of take on that from a just from a marketing point of view, if nothing else. Like, do, do you think, you know, if, if you were tasked with I've, I've got a not just sell this product for this company, but I've got to push the message of veganism. Are we doing it in the right way through the current kind of methodology? That's a long, old rambling question. Hopefully you can make some sense out of that. (laughs) Yeah, no, I made sense of it. Don't worry. (laughs) So so I I think what you've raised is a really big challenge for the vegan sector because what a lot of people don't realise is the fact that the meat and dairy industry are heavily subsidised with taxes, with tax money, and to keep the prices low. So the prices that people pay for meat and dairy products aren't the true cost of those products um, because the government subsidise it to make sure that when we we get them at the supermarket, it's at a lower price. So people don't realise, one, people don't realise that, and also they don't realise that actually we we are paying more for meat and dairy because we're paying for it through our taxes because the, the taxes we pay are going into those industries. So there is a real challenge there in that how do you fight with government subsidies? I mean, personally, mm. I, I would love it if I could choose where my taxes go and I had like a tick box. <laughs> and I said, right, I don't want it to go there. I want it to go here, there and, and the other. But I very much doubt that's going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> So it's it's a really tough challenge, and unfortunately, a lot of people do look at the at the vegan people who aren't in the vegan world already do look at it and say, "Well, hang on a sec, that burger is like five quid, or two burgers are five quid, whereas I can yeah. go to the meat aisle and I can buy a pack of eight for two quid." Um, mm. So in order, so it's 
it's a really big challenge. And I think at the moment, it's, it's definitely a, a, a situation where it's economy of scale. And you look at the animal agriculture industry, it's a very established industry. It's had mm. a, a lot of investment put into it. It's, it's worked out how to streamline its process to bring the costs down. You look at any type, piece of technology, for example, um, let's think about phones, smartphones. When they came out, they were extraordinarily yeah. expensive. But as the technology has been developed, it's become cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And I think the same will happen with, with veganism. So we're still relatively young. These products that are, that are coming out now, these meat alternatives, the plant-based burgers, etc. It's a relatively young industry in comparison to the meat and dairy industry. So I think fast forward even two, three, four, five years, I think the prices of these products will come down, especially because yeah. we'll get to economy of scale. Because the more people that buy these products the more that the, the more the manufacturers can buy their products at wholesale, which brings the prices down, which means they can then obviously pass those prices on to the consumer. But that doesn't solve the problem right now. That, that's sort of a long-term <laughs> situation. So one of the big things around, one of the ways to overcome the price differential is to not talk about it in regards to price. If you start trying to market right. a product just on price, you're never going to win when your product is £5 versus the meat product, which is £2. Yeah. So we have to start talking about it in a different way. So it's about talking about a mission. It's about talking about the other benefits that come with that product. So whether it's a reduced carbon footprint, um, whether it's a, a, a health benefit, um, whether it's talking about the number of animals that are saved. Um, and once we start talking about things that aren't price focused and we start to talk to consumers in a slightly different way, I think that will help us to overcome the price difference um, of products right now. We need to talk to consumers um, about the, the other benefits rather than just price. But um, I will touch on something, actually. There's an article that I saw recently by um, Go Compare. It was, I found it quite strong. Sorry, it was, mm. it was Compare the Market. Um, yeah. And they, they put out an article saying, can you afford to go vegan? And when I saw it, I thought, this is strange. I wouldn't expect to see an article like this from Compare the Market when I instantly think of them as insurance. Um, so I was reading through the article and it was quite balanced in that they were talking about the fact that if you actually compare a whole food vegan diet and a whole food meat-based diet, the vegan diet is always cheaper. You know, you you mm. can't you can't say that a vegan diet is going to be more expensive than when you're comparing a steak and a tin of chickpeas. You know, you, you, the, the meat <laughs> diet is never going to be cheaper. Yeah. So if you compare on a whole foods basis, then it, the vegan diet is always always cheaper. As soon if you compare on a processed level, the plant based mm. diet is more expensive. As for the, the reasons, obviously, we've already discussed. But if you talk about it in a real world term, you know, we're not all eating whole food or we should be, but, you know, most of us aren't eating a fully whole food <laughs> Let's diet. Let's be real. Yeah, we're exactly. <laughs> well, I'm not. <laughs> no, well, neither am I, unfortunately. It started out as the plan, but slowly that's not happened. Yeah. Um, but yeah, none of us are eating a whole, a fully whole food diet and none of us are eating a fully processed diet. Um, mm -hmm. We're eating a combination of the two. And that's what it was saying. It was saying you need to look at, at it on balance um and it was giving some tips and advice on you know if you're going to, if you want that processed burger and and price is a factor for you by the by the um supermarket own brand because because yeah. generally they are quite similar in price to the meat product 
um, because because supermarkets can can buy in bulk. They've got much mm. bigger uh, supply chains. They've got much bigger negotiation power than some of these smaller niche um, vegan brands that are coming out. So if price is a factor for you, then look at buying some of the cheaper um, home uh, some of the cheaper supermarket brands. Um, but you can't say one or the other is full is is more expensive or cheaper than the other. It, mm. It's your it's your diet. How do you live? And there's always ways that you can make a vegan diet cheaper than a meat based diet. Um, so yeah, I hope that answers that question. It certainly does. And I saw I saw that post. You you actually uh, drew my attention to it. That compare the market one. I talked about it with another guest on the podcast yesterday, um, and we we had a little discussion about it as a because I, I thought you the point you raised in your I think it was a LinkedIn post yeah. was it that you that you put out there the point you raised that I, I I wouldn't have necessarily thought about was the the fact that a company like that is putting advertising revenue or advertising dollars into an advert that talks about veganism. So they obviously feel there is enough there that is on their on their customers' minds, which mm. in itself is a a positive sign, I guess, of of they feel like there is a conversation to be had. Whereas I think, you know, if if we were completely ignorable <laughs> over in the vegan community, they certainly wouldn't have spent any money on it. And at that point I thought was fascinating. This episode of the Bloody Vegans podcast is brought to you by Veg One and the good folks are over at the Vegan Society. Veg One is the multivitamin and mineral supplement designed by vegans for vegans. It was introduced back in 2005, updated in 2021 with an incredible new plastic-free package and contains all of those key vitamins and minerals that everyone will tell you when you transition into a plant-based diet into a vegan lifestyle that you need to think about, and you absolutely do. Uh, so... What's in there? You've got uh, B2, B6, B12, D3, iodine, selenium, and folic acid. So all of those kind of key ones you need to consider when you're starting out or perhaps you've been here for some time. Uh, and it's all in a convenient once a day chewable form, uh, which, is, which is super helpful, right? It's just £12.70 for six months worth. Um, and they come in two amazing flavors. You've got orange and you've also got blackcurrant. Orange is a personal favorite of mine. Uh, I'm definitely team orange when it comes to veg one. Uh, so if you'd like to know more and you're interested in picking up your six month supply, head over to theveganSociety.com, uh, search for veg one, uh, and you can pick up some right there, delivered straight to your door. Enjoy the episode. brand businesses coming out with vegan ranges vegan messaging and talking to mm. the vegan consumer and also to the, to the people the flexitarian consumer and it's mm. really really exciting to see because it does show that veganism is on the rise you know people are switching onto it and if big business are looking at it and thinking right we need a piece of this that's really exciting because it means there's going to be even more options coming out for us to for, for us for us vegans already and for people transitioning to make that transition um but i think i think it does raise a big issue for ethical vegan businesses so the businesses that have been championing veganism for the last you know 30 40 50 years They've been mm. here from the start. They've been fighting. They've been raising the message. They've been laying the foundations for this huge shift that we're seeing now. And if we're not careful, these big corporate businesses 
will come in and just skim all the cream off of the top of that, for want mm. of a better terminology. Sometimes I realise how much we the use... The vegan cream. The vegan cream. We do cream. use a lot, don't yes. we? Yes, yeah. But they'll come in and they'll, they'll skim all of the profits and all of the hard work that other people mm. have done, and they'll take the profits from that. So kind of running back into the conversation we were having before around how do you compete on price and how do you how do you speak to the consumer when um a meat product is cheaper i think we i'm sort of saying about how we need to talk about the mission and we need to talk about people in a different talk to people about different things um i think it's the same now in regards to any business vegan businesses need to make sure that they are talking about their mission and they're engaging with their user their end user and they're engaging with their audience and they're they're creating a a, a tribe as such um mm. to make sure that these bigger brands don't come in and and basically take the market um because yeah. i mean for us we we want vegan businesses to win that's that's a, a big mission for us is to make sure that the vegan businesses can compete with the big boys um even when they don't have you know multi-million pound budgets to to spend um they can still fight the big boys with their ethics because the big boys don't have the same ethics as the vegan businesses do so we need to make sure that the ethics of our businesses are coming out and so that when people are making these purchasing decisions they know that they're putting their money in the right place and they're not just lining another fat cat's pocket so they can go off and go on another mega yacht cruise <laughs> over the winter so you, you've just absolutely uh kind of given me a nice bit of reassurance actually because I, I think you know as we were as we were getting into that conversation I'd, I'd started to think a little bit gloomily actually i was just starting to think you know do you know what that it, it veganism might ultimately win but there's a lot of people who are going to suffer along the way like you say the sort of pioneers in this space people who've were at the outset of i don't know say say a food product maybe or a clothing product and they've poured their heart and soul and their ethics into that product and then somebody is like you say they're going to come along and say well we can do that we'll do it you know we'll outsource where it's produced we'll make it five times cheaper than that one and bang like job done but you're, you're absolutely right where what we can say from his history is that what they won't do is pour the same ethics into it. I feel like maybe optimistically, but vegans probably unlike a lot of other demographics won't won't tolerate a cheapened product that loses all of their ethics, even if it's just vegan. You know, I see, I see it like at the beginning of people's vegan journey, they'll be like, "Yeah, I'll I'll take on that you know KFC." vegan bucket of whatever the the new chicken bug bucket and then it's not too long before i speak to the same person and they're like no i wouldn't ever go to kfc it's great as a transitioning tool you know the amount of times i've had that conversation on this podcast about where folks are like no it's great as a transitioning tool but i wouldn't go anywhere near that company so i i i you've made me more optimistic actually after that initial gloomy thought passed through my mind it's not actually maybe we are well maybe we do have something unique <laughs> no totally and and there was some really interest, interesting research and you'll have to forgive me because I can't remember the specific figures but there was some interesting research that came out um, at the end of last year so it's the beginning of 2021 around 
the choices people are making and what's driving those choices. And there was a, mm. a big shift in regards to people making purchasing decisions based not just on price, but but based on the impact that that purchase would have, whether that's mm. in veganism or just general society. Um, people are becoming much more aware of the impact that their purchasing decisions make. And they are m- much more focused on trying to make sure that where they spend their money, that, that the places they spend their money are places that are going to use that money for good. Um, mm. You know, there's not... Me- speak to many... Mo- speak to people and how many people say that they love Amazon. Most people absolutely hate Amazon and they're looking for an alternative because they know yeah. that that money is, is is not going to the right place. As much mm. as Jeff Bezos came back from his flight from space and said, oh, I looked at the earth and realised how fragile it is. Most of us didn't have to go to space to realise that, Jeff. You know, we already know that. Um, so, you know, as much as he tries to make out that he's wanting to save the world... It's not a good company. It's an incredibly unsustainable company built on mass consumerism. And Mm. people are becoming more and more switched on to that. And it's really exciting to see both obviously from from with my vegan hat on, but also with my environmental activism hat on. It's it's been really empowering to see over the last couple of years people's mindset shift and how many more people are becoming engaged in, okay, I may be one person, but I have an impact and I want to make sure, yeah. sure that impact is a good one. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's yeah, I, I, think the, I think that's how vegan and ethical businesses will win is by making sure that their mission and their ethics are integral to their marketing and, and, and their, their customers know about it so that they are then reassured that not only are they buying a good quality product or they're buying a product that fits their purpose, they're also buying one that... that is they're spending their money with a company that will that will be doing good yeah. in the world. Um, so I think that's how we that's how we beat the big boys. Yeah, love it, love it. Thank you for the optimism. <laughs> You're I, welcome. I I, I, pre- I appreciate it and needed it. <laughs> and and another thought that's just run through my mind actually, as you said that, is like actually one of the the sort of maybe the unintended um, positives out of this sort of very individualistic culture that we have is that if you if you flip it on its head a little bit, we are probably like you say looking at our individual footprint a little bit more and you know what is it that we are doing that's causing damage what about my purchase decisions that kind of stuff um and that you combine that with a you know a probably a bigger a, more of a sense of distrust in whether it be you know governments whether it be big organizations you combine those two things and you get hopefully some more maybe individualistic but ethical consumers who who want to make the right choices which is it's a fascinating point thank you give me a hell of an education here sorry for <laughs> repeating things you've said but i'm just understanding <laughs> just just getting my head around it all um let's talk about kakadu it'd be good to to get into uh where did that start you know and and and, and what is it for folks who don't know okay so kakadu is so it's kakadu creative and we're a full-service creative agency, so we help purpose-led businesses um, with with impactful, engaging, and standout branding, and then applying that brand across all of their marketing materials, so print, events, websites, for example, etc. Um, and it, it started. It was we're nearly four years old now, um, and Lee and I, who who run the business, um, it's we both worked in a, for a big corporate multinational. A publisher, a magazine publisher, 
and had been there for almost a decade and I worked in the advertising department and Lee worked in the, well, he worked in several departments doing the design for first advertising, marketing and then editorial. Um, and I'd been steadily going up the ranks and climbing the career ladder and, and getting higher and higher in the business and working with bigger and bigger companies. And I got to the point where I think as more, as I was becoming more um, aware of the world around us and the, 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 the state the planet was in, I was becoming more and more aware of what my job was actually all about and the impact it had. And my whole job was essentially trying to help big multinationals sell more products to people that, um, products that they don't need, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and one of my last, one of the last departments I worked in was um, the parenting sector. And so my job was basically telling parents, helping to tell parents that they needed to buy more stuff to be a better parent. And, and and I just and I just would sit there and think this is not this is not what my life is meant to be I'm not meant to be trying to make people buy more stuff so that they can be a good parent you know a child doesn't need a 1500 pound pram it doesn't need all of this you know fan, these fancy toys most kids are happy with a wooden spoon you know it's it was just it just didn't it didn't sit right with me um and the longer I was there for, the more disillusioned I was getting with it and um, the more I felt like this was just not where my skills were, were meant to be used. And um, and Lee and I were, Lee and I sort of were, were talking about it and talking about, okay, well, what do we, what do we want to do? Where do we want to go? What's, what's, what's the plan? And um, we sort of sat back and said, well, do you know what? We've got really complementary skills. So I've got all of this, these project management skills, sales skills, business development skills, customer skills. Um, he's got all of these amazing design skills. They work. Why don't we take these skills, join them together and use them for good? You know, use them to help businesses mm. to to um, have a better impact. But interestingly, when we first started the business, we weren't working with overtly ethical companies. So right. we were working with what um, we would like to term neutrally ethical. So <laughs> they weren't doing anything good, but they weren't doing anything inherently bad. Okay. Um, okay. And it was it was kind of just the way it worked initially. It, it just evolved that way on its own. Um, and then a couple of years ago, we sat back and we said, okay, right is this what we want? Is this what we set out to do? You know, was this really our, our purpose and our mission? No. Well, how do we change that? How do we, you know, how do we make sure that we are going in the right direction? And um, and it boiled down to, we need to bring our ethics and our morals to the front of the business. So mm. we always ran the business as a vegan business. It was always sustainable. It was always ethical from, from our own personal business decisions. But we didn't talk about that publicly and we didn't right. talk about it necessarily to our customers. Um, and that was really because we were, we were worried that it would turn people off. You know, a, a new business, a, a big, starting out, mm. you've got bills to pay, you've got the mortgage, you've got all of those pressures. So you, you kind of do the work that you feel comfortable with. But when we really sat back and looked at it, it wasn't the work we wanted to do. 
it wasn't they weren't the businesses that, that we wanted to help um grow and establish um and so we said right okay let's 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 do this let's let's pin our flag to the pole let's tell people what we're about let's talk about this publicly and let's start having conversations around what ethical sustainable and vegan business actually looks like um and it, it, for all of our worries that it would turn customers off and we would we'd end up you know a couple of years down the line and we'd be bankrupt and the business would be gone <laughs> they were all unfounded totally unfounded it's been one of the best things we've done for our business because it's meant that not only are we having conversations with people and businesses that are ethically aligned and we're now able to help those businesses to grow and establish because they can see that we're on the same mission to them and we are passionate about what they're doing it's also opened up conversations with previous customers about things that they would have never thought right. about. And then um, it was really, really lovely this week. I was on a call to a, a customer, sort of one of our um, legacy customers that we've had from when we started the business. And um, I was having a chat with him and he, I've, I've talked openly with him now about my environmental activism and our veganism and all the rest of it. And we were chatting during this week and he said, um, he said, you know what he said, I've been thinking about it. And he said, and I want to give veganism a go can you help me? Mm. And and I was like, yes, you know, here are a load of resources, here's this, sign up to Veganuary, mm. do this, it'll send them loads of stuff. And if we hadn't have brought our ethics to the front of the business, I'd have never had that conversation with him. He would have never thought about it. I mean, not he probably would have thought about it, but he would have never thought about yeah. having that conversation with me. And I would have never been able to help him take those first steps. So... Not only from a business perspective has it has it been great because it's helped us to it's helped to push us towards the customers that we really really want to work with and want to help help grow and establish, but it's also meant that we're able to guide other people and other businesses in that direction as well. So it's been um, it's been brilliant. It's been yeah, it's been a great couple of years. Hard, obviously, pandemic, COVID, <laughs> but it's been yeah, it's been brilliant, and I'm really excited to see where the next twelve months take us. Looking back, do you? Do you think that that initial trepidation that you had about using your ethics, putting them front and centre, you know, talking about veganism, those, those kind of things, do you think that that was actually, that there was some substance to it? Or do you think it was something that you kind of almost internally invented, a kind of a worst case scenario, a bit of catastrophization, if you like? I, th- I think, no, I think, there is, I think there is some grounds, there are, there, it, there are mm. there will be people out there who, when they see us talking about veganism, sustainability, ethics, will say, "Ugh, that's not for me." Yeah. And and actually, when we sat back and we sort of were thinking about, okay, well, do we start bringing our ethics to the front of the business, and and are we going to turn people off? And when we sat back and we thought, well, realistically, the people we're going to turn off are the people who aren't aligned with us anyway, and will have very right. different. Uh, ideas on what success looks like and it will be yeah. it, it it could potentially be money at no at any expense you know i need to make a profit at any expense i don't care what happens i want to be a millionaire and i want to have a super yacht type thing, or billionaire and i want to have a super yacht mm. and if that's their mentality then we would never be the right people to work with them anyway because mm. that's not our mentality and how can we do the best work for someone who who has got that mindset um, when we don't we don't align with that you know so 
if talking about veganism and ethics and sustainability puts someone off from working with us, then actually we've got to the, we sort of came to the conclusion that that's a good thing because it means that yeah. we won't waste our time talking to those people and and we can use that time to talk to people who are ethically aligned or we can invest that time in them to help them grow. So um yeah, it, I think it is I think there is definite there will definitely be people out there who who will be completely turned off by what we talk about but that's a good thing in our eyes. <laughs> when you're talking to to businesses, clients, potential clients and they have similar trepidation. Do they, is one of the things that they cite, one of the things that they're concerned about, particularly maybe if they're squarely a vegan business, is that the, the, the sheer numbers, the, the numbers factor. There's, there's only 1% of people that I'd be selling to if I put vegan in the title of this piece of marketing. Is that a, is that a sort of a pressing concern? And how do you potentially overcome that kind of worry for people? can be a concern definitely of course it is it's a small market but then it's a case of looking at the numbers so for example for us we don't need a huge amount of 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 companies to work with us in a year to make our business viable so for us it doesn't matter that the market's small we don't we don't need millions and millions of customers every year to make our business viable um so it's a case really of looking at each individual business and working out okay Based on what your service or your product is, based on the size of the market, how many of those people do you need to convert? And realistically, even though the vegan sector is small, it's still a, sh- a huge amount of people. Um, and, it, and it may be that that product isn't necessarily just um, interested in and it products interesting to a vegan sector. So if it's, for example, a, a beauty product and it's got vegan ethics, that doesn't mean that someone who isn't vegan won't buy that product. And so what, you, what, what the, work, the work that there needs to be done is working out, okay, so if we've got this product, and yes, it's a vegan product, but it's relevant to general consumers, how do we make sure that that product is attractive? How do we build that brand to make sure that it's attractive to the general consumer, but at the same time is attractive to the vegan consumer? So it's very much a case-by-case basis and working out, okay, well, on to, working out based on your business and your product and your service, who do we need to talk to and who is it relevant to? Because actually, yes, it's like I said, it's a vegan product, but it might not just be of interest to vegans. There could be a whole flexitarian sector that we could talk to um, that that we can obviously get your product in front of and, and, um, yeah, and work that way. So it's very much a company-by-company company basis. Is that a sector almost, I guess because it's bigger, the, the potential kind of the either vegan adjacent, vegan curious, uh, flexitarian, that kind of market space. I, I suppose there's, I think I read some stat recently that like 50% of the British population buy a product that's categorised as vegan or plant-based every week, which is like crazy. when you, And it suddenly like it opens the world out for like a, a, a vegan business. Does that impact, do you think, your approach as as you know, from a creative perspective, from a marketing point of view, because I and I, I'll give I'll give an example of what I'm kind of driving at. I guess like there are like businesses who very squarely don't use the word vegan ever because they don't want to alienate that those fifty percent. They kind of want to show them that there's some ethics to it, but ethics that they're comfortable with, um, even if they are actually vegan. And then there's others who you know actually 
the word vegan is kind of fine now and people are, people's perception of it is changing and so on and so forth. Is, is there a particular switch in approach that you would kind of advise or is it kind of very case by case depending on the, on the business? I would say it's very much case by case. So there are some businesses that are vegan through and through, their product is vegan through and through, their, their target market is vegan and therefore, yes, shout from the rooftops that you are vegan. Um, there are some products, and there are some people also as well that um, want to almost challenge the word vegan as being mm. something that we should hide from. Um, so mm. there's, there's, because obviously for some people you say the word vegan in it, and they're worried that it will make people think of extremists and sandal wearers and all the rest of it, and they don't want to be associated with that, so they will shy away from it. And other people are saying, no, we want to reclaim this word. We want to change the the whole concept of veganism. And we want to show them that it's it's inclusive and it's, it's everyone and, and every type of person. But equally, we had a conversation with a company that we were working with last year and they wanted to use the term vegan as part of their business name. And we were having a mm. conversation with them around it because their product is vegan, they're, 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 the, the, thing, the, the thing that they're selling is vegan. Um, but when we were talking to them about it, about branding the company that the product will be sold through, we actually advised them against using the word vegan because the two business owners aren't vegan. They're, they're, they're flexitarian, they're, they get it, they understand, but they aren't vegan. Right. And we said to them, look, you know, if you label your company as vegan, people will expect you to be vegan. So, yeah. you know, they'll expect every part of your business to be vegan. So you can't... You can't do you. You can't take that name if you're not going to commit to, you know, to, to being vegan. And it was yeah. something that they'd never really considered because for them, when we said to them about you know vegan is more than a diet, they'd never really considered it because for right. them it was a diet. And oh yeah, we do eat vegan and we we you know we get it and we understand it. It's like but vegan isn't just your diet. Vegan is your whole life. You know, it's it's everything. Um. And so, so that was a really interesting conversation to have with them, where we actually advise them against using it. But there are other people where we would say, "Do it, nail that to nail that to the front of your business, <laughs> and make sure everybody knows that this is this is vegan." So, it is case by case, and it's making sure that when you use that word, it you're using it correctly, and you're not muddying the water. Because um, yeah. I know that I know there's a lot of people that are very adverse to the term plant-based they they don't like the fact that plant-based is being used and we should be using vegan but I think sort of going back to the whole conversation we had around um the sort of the plant-based burgers and the fact that they help people transition Mm. I think the term plant-based is a really useful term to help people to transition to veganism yeah um so yeah very much case by case, company by company, and, and really working out what is their mission? what Where do they want to position it themselves? Where is the brand positioning itself? And how do they want the brand to be um, seen by the mass mass market? And then once you understand that, it's working out, okay, what terminology do we use to make sure yeah. that, that that message is what the consumer the consumer sees? 100%. Plant-based is a, is a fascinating debate. We could go on for another hour about that one. But because I'm, I'm with you, I think it, it, it's um, a safe, friendly term for folks who aren't vegan to sort of feel like they're they don't have to be the 
the, what they consider to be extreme. I, I think where it becomes a little bit challenging is where I've seen people assuming that the terms are interchangeable and then selling a product that isn't ultimately vegan. There's a very big burger chain, for example, that has, that has done this recently and uses the two words side by side for two different products. And one product contains what well, is cooked mm. with animal product and one product isn't. And I, I think that that is then there's a potential for kind of misleading there. Like it, it almost needs to be kind of cleaned up as to let's be clear when we say plant based, it, it isn't vegan mm. <laughs> or it has the potential to not be. Yeah. Um, and you need to kind of Check. find find that out. It's yeah, that's that's the only bit where I've I've spoken to folks before who've said you know we should just switch to using plant based and and then we you know we we would get rid of the stigma overnight and everything would be great. And I'm I, I'm 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 not quite sure. I think like you, I, I'm more in the fence of it has a purpose now and then, but we and some for some people it's right, but we have to understand that there's a difference and what the two mean and one's a lifestyle and one's a bigger ethical mm. choice um it's, it's fascinating but we could go on for, about that for a long time i don't want to <laughs> take up too much of your time talking about plant well, I, I will just say one thing though in that I, I definitely would not say get rid of the term vegan i i think vegan is too mm. strong too powerful a word it, it's it, we i think what we need to do with the term vegan is reclaim it and and re and almost mm. rebrand it um so that people don't see it and think oh it's a load of you know, militant vegans and they've got to come and scream at me while I'm eating my burger, you know, because, yes, some people are very passionate and will be very in-your-face active. Yeah. And also, I just don't know if you've just had the dog in the background. Um, That's all right. People- Dogs are welcome on this podcast. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so there, there are some activists out there that, that are very strong and very passionate and will be quite militant. And I had a conversation with someone before about should we be doing that? And I said, yes, you know, for some people, they need that. They need that really in your face. Mm. This is what you're doing. This is the decisions you're making. This is what you're contributing to. But for other people, it's too much. And it's actually really, Mm. um, it pushes them away. So we also need the softly, softly approach. We need both. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and I think the, the danger that we've got with the term plant-based is that I've heard quite a, a few examples of companies labelling their products as plant-based, but when you look into, at the products, it's like 40% plant, 60% chicken, <laughs> 40% plant, yeah. 50, 60% beef. And that's really scary to see because that is mm. going to get really, really confusing for the consumer. Um, so we've always said, whenever we've sort of talked about the plant-based terminology, we've always said, make sure that you still have vegan somewhere within your packaging, somewhere on your site, somewhere within your, your literature, so that people, it's more relevant to, to physical product. But mm. um, make sure you still get the vegan term on there, whether you're, you're, um, you're accredited by the vegan society and you have that label or you have your own certification, whatever it is that you do, if your product is vegan, but you're using the term plant-based at the front of your, your packaging, make sure you've got vegan on there still so that people can quickly and easily see whether that product is a muddy plant-based product or it's a true hmm. vegan plant-based product. I like that term. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. <laughs> we'll, we'll borrow that one. Um, 
I, I'm really conscious of your time. I've I've inquired lots of uh, around lots of different things, but I do uh, I do want to ask a couple of questions if you've got time to to delve in. But I don't. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. Yeah, no, much. I'm all good. Okay, okay, as long as you're all good. Um, what have you learned along the way? You know, from a from a point of view of you know you've you've been in publishing, you've been in marketing for for some time now, and then made the decision to put your ethics front and center felt a bit queasy with where you were were at in that in, in that world was there any kind of startling revelations for you almost in in the things that you were involved with and the businesses that you were involved in that you perhaps if you had your time again or perhaps starting from things now you'd, you'd approach differently or you'd look at differently um i think probably one of the most surprising things for for me, coming looking at where I came from and to, to what we do now, is discovering that print isn't always vegan. Um, and hmm. having worked for a big multinational magazine publisher, printing God knows how many magazines every, every day, every week, every month, the idea that a business, that one business in the world at that scale could be involved with animal exploitation and I was a part of that for so long it has been really it's really kind of blown my mind and realizing that something so um so innocent looking as a magazine or a pamphlet or a brochure or even a book um could be involved in animal exploitation and and sort of to give you some information around what I'm talking about here it's in regards mm. to the inks that are used and also the glue that is used, and also um, the lamination process. So um, inks used in printing can quite often have animal products within them. So whether that's gelatin, whether that's bone char, um, whether it's cr crushed up beetles to make shellac. A lot of people have heard of, obviously, the red pigment can quite often be crushed up beetles. Um, so realising that inks are can be... Wow. Can be can be non-vegan but also um the glues so you know you think of you hear these stories of back in the day when horses were sent to be made into glue and you kind of think that's an old old school thing and we don't do that anymore mm. and we've got synthetic glues and all the rest of it and yes there are a lot of synthetic glues out there but animal-based glues are still used in the modern day world even when we have all of these alternatives we're still using animal-based glues. And interestingly, quite often it's being used in book binding. Um, so so wow. that was a massive eye-opener or, or a, a massive shock to me when we discovered that. But the great thing is that there are lots of alternatives. So obviously I, I mentioned in regards to the synthetic glues with um, with your book binding and your, and your, um, and your printing processes, um, there are synthetics. And, and there are lots of printers out there who do use the synthetic option um, as standard. And in regards to the inks as well, there are there are vegetable based inks that can be used. And there were there was a study done um, in regards to comparing animal based inks and vegetable based inks to see whether one was a better quality or not. And the study found that vegetable based inks were actually a much better quality product. They delivered a better mm. end end result. They were more luminous. They were more vibrant. Um, and the other amazing thing as well about vegetable based inks is that also much much better for the environment not just in um the fact of how they're they're physically made because obviously grown in the ground and all the rest of it they're not then not animals being killed um 
but also they are easier to wash off of packaging, so the, the recycling process is easier, they're non-toxic, the when they dry, the different inks release a, a type of chemical when, when they dry into the air, um, and vegetable-based inks re release something like 5% of this toxic chemical into the air as they dry, whereas animal-based inks release something like 40% of this toxic product into the air. So, so the... They're, these these animal-based inks and glues are still being used, but the vegan alternative is available and widely available and actually much, much better for, for the environment and obviously for the animals. Um, and it's been great because when we discovered that, we looked, we spoke to some of our printing suppliers and said, oh my God, like, what are you using? What's going on? And most of them were already using vegetable-based or synthetic-based products. Um, and we actually also discovered a printing partner who are vegan society approved. So we, so oh, yeah, wow. so so there yeah. are people out there who are already on it and have, have got alternative options. So it, that was really great to not only first obviously discovering it, oh my God, but then be able to <laughs> quite quickly find partners that we could work with for client projects that, that yeah, that can make sure the, the project isn't, isn't harming any animals so yeah that was so lots were lots were actually did you find lots of printers and so on were actually more aware of it than you thought then was it, was it a bit of a surprise the, quite a few of the ones that we we work with had to go away and check so it wasn't it, right it wasn't okay something that they were necessarily aware of sort of front of mind um, there was a couple of people that a couple of companies we spoke to who are like sort of online printers um, and they their anim, their inks were animal based so we've we've got rid of we don't work with them anymore, but um, and yeah. then and then when we found that the ones we were working with kind of had to go away and check, we thought, well, they're not. It's not central to their mission, so I wonder if we can find a print supplier where mm. it is central to their mission. And that's when we found the 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 company that we we put on we choose to work with as a standard, um, who are vegan society approved. You know, they they clearly care. That's they amazing. they've gone and they've they've gone done the accreditation process and they've got the certification and we we know they're as passionate about it as we are. So so yeah, that was good. I love this whole approach. Just the idea that, you know, when you're aligned with other people's ethics, other businesses' ethics the the relationship is just going to be going to be better from front to front yeah. to back you know it's, it just makes perfect sense you know when you think about it you know if your mission is to make billions of dollars and so on and so forth at any cost then find a business that wants to do that but if your if your mission is to to you know do things ethically and sustainably and and think about the the, the choices you're making you know why not work with people who who want to want to do the yeah. same so yeah I, I love your approach I really do Time is really getting away from us, and and I, I've I've spoken far too much because it's been fascinating to chat. I really do thank you for your time, Kaylee. It's been amazing. But it would be remiss of us not to tell folks where to go about finding you, particularly you know if you're a a, a business owner, maybe a vegan business owner, and 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 want some support. Where would people go about uh, getting in touch? So probably one of the easiest places to find us is our website, which is kakadoocreative.com. And kakadu is K-A-K-A-D-U and then creative, all one word. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. So Kaylee Nicolau. Um, I, I don't bother. I won't bother trying to spell it. You're probably in the show notes. But this is just look for it. It's, I'll yeah, pop people in show always notes. struggle yeah. with my name. Um, so I'm on LinkedIn. I'm quite active on there. Um, and then we're on Instagram, Facebook, um, and the handle is at Kakadu Creative. So a few different ways to find us. And yeah, we would we we're really keen to help more 
um, vegan and purpose-led businesses to, to grow this year and, and beat the big boys as we've sort of covered and and make sure that, yeah, they're, they're winning over these big ones that are just in it for the money. Let's do it. 100%. Love it. Kaylee, thank you so much for your time. It's been it's been a pleasure. I'd love to get you back on because I think there's probably another at least two hours I could spend <laughs> chatting to you about all sorts of things and getting your opinion on. So thank you so much. It's yeah, been a pleasure. Yeah, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. This is a Bloody Vegans production. <laughs>